Welcome one and all to SaaS Insiders Podcast. Today I have a very special guest, my friend and the founder of Everbee.io, Cody Magafi. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Vlad. Appreciate you having me here, man. Super excited to be here. Cody, as you're currently building and scaling the profitable uh, SaaS business, I just wanted to share with the audience some of the secret sauce that we have here just to kind of help them understand what does it take from the idea to having a piece of your mind in terms of SaaS business. Awesome, man. That sounds, sounds super fun. When it comes to the beginning of your journey, how do you find a product idea in the current market, you know, a product market fit? Because as we know, the SaaS is booming. A lot of industries get saturated and people just, you know, don't know where to start. Sure. Maybe I'll, I'll talk about my experience at least. I'm not sure if I can generally answer that for everybody. I tend to take a pretty methodical approach. I tend to like analyze like a lot of different product ideas right at one time, which is probably what a lot of SaaS folks are doing. But for us, I created some filters. One was I needed to have some domain expertise, which was really important for me. Two, I wanted it to be able to be bootstrapped. That was really important. I didn't want to have to go and raise a big round, you know, a seed round to to launch our MVP. Three, I wanted to be something that I really enjoyed, or at least I, I halfway enjoyed talking about. Ideally, I really enjoyed talking about on a daily basis. And in an ideal world, it would be something that I'd be attacking a problem that that I'm really passionate about, right? That I really, really enjoy working on and talking about. Those, those are the main things that I considered. And then if I've always believed that if I could align this with like a bigger global type of mission. If I could align a business with also like my social moral compass, I guess, then it's like, I know, I always knew that nothing would be able to like stop me. Not mean like we're unstoppable. I guess what I mean is like, I'll never give up on something that aligns with those things. So I, I took a very like a uh, thoughtful approach in regards to the ideas that we were, we were coming up on when it, when it came to uh, starting Everbee. Cody, that's very insightful. Because you mentioned one point about finding investors that you want to look for it to make it bootstrapped. Can you please elaborate a little bit on that? Like what comes through your mind when you are evaluating the product and thinking whether this is something you can bootstrap or this will require investors? Yeah, so I definitely went through this process, right? I've been an entrepreneur for, I guess I, I had a full-time backup a little bit. I had a full-time career at Qualcomm Technologies, Qualcomm, and I was there for I guess a num numerous years, five years, went to another software company for a short stint. But during my time, at, at like a corporate career, I've always like wanted to start. I always started something on the side. I always had multiple side businesses going on. So this entrepreneur bug was in me pretty much from a pretty, pretty young, young age, right? Probably right after college. It was really in me. It was looking back, it was probably in me throughout my entire life. So I was reading books. I was trying new businesses. I was heavily, heavily interested in entrepreneurship and business in general. And then eventually I learned about this software, right? SaaS, right? And that was years ago. And then I started getting obsessed with that type of business model as well for obvious reasons, right? Recurring monthly or recurring revenue and the value multiples are amazing which we could talk more about later. So going back to your original question is my thought process with investors and take raising money versus not. I read a lot of books about raising money and I was really considering like maybe we should go that route, but I decided not to simply because I value so much of my family life as well. And I, I value like so much of like my a flexible life as well. Like I've, I really kind of got obsessed with this, like design your life type of mentality. I believe that raising money too early was going to affect that. I also had two, I had a baby on the way when I first started Everbee. Now I have two kids. 
that I was married, I really, really value family life. So I knew that raising money right away before revenue, before product, just didn't make me, it didn't sit right with me personally, just simply because I wanted to prove it to myself that I can actually grow a sustainable business from the beginning. And then if I can do that, then for sure I'll raise money if I, if I want to simply because, you know, it's, it's a real business. Like I've always, uh, anyway, I'm kind of rambling, but that, that's kind of my thought process around it. Well, Cody, first of all, I want to congratulate you uh, on newcomers to your family, that you're growing a family. That's mm-hmm. a huge step. Interesting is when you start scaling the product, like you need developers, you need someone technical to actually build it. And if I know this correctly, you currently have a team of people that work on the product full time, right? Correct. Um, it's always interesting to learn how a non-technical founder manages a team Basically, how do you build a tech team as a, as a non-tech founder? You know, do you think like people necessarily need a technical co-founder or they can do it on their own? Like what, what is your thought process? On yeah, that? gosh, I, I went through this, this process multiple times, unfortunately, fortunately, but unfortunately. Um, so I definitely started out by looking for a co-founder because that's what every book, every podcast, everybody recommends, mm-hmm. right? All the VC, VC firms, they all kind of recommend like having a technical co-founder if you're not technical. So I was certainly went that route. I interviewed, talked to people, technical co-founders or potentials. I got really close with a lot of people just didn't end up working out for whatever reason. I've always approached uh, having a co-founder as it's a marriage, right? It's probably even more, mm-hmm. it's harder than a marriage. I didn't want to force it just because they had technical expertise and I had the business and marketing expertise. Like I didn't want to force something. It needed to be like stars need to be aligned perfectly. And if it wasn't going to be there, then you have two options, right? You could either just like, you keep looking or, or give up, I guess, and just not launch a product. So I kind of kept looking and then, but I also decided, okay, we just need to build something. Like it doesn't matter. Like we need to figure it out at that point. I kind of lost track of your, your question, but essentially our history was, okay, we're gonna have to figure it out without a co-founder. Or when I say we, I mean me, right? It was just me. And then I was, I started going online, right? Trying to, okay, who can help me get from like zero to like 0.25, right? Just get me to the MVP. And that's that's where I met you, right? Of course. And your team helped me put together every MVP, which was amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And I got us to that first step of, okay, this is now a reality. And I believe that as soon as we, if we can get to that, then we can get to there and then we can get the next thing, right? And so on. Um, so if it answers your questions or not, but. Yeah, but currently, as you have your own team internally yeah. that builds the product, how do you manage that? I mean, I what comes to mind? What kind of process? Because you cannot know for sure about the technical details. Right? Yeah. You need to kind of trust the person you're working with. So how, how do you manage that? Yeah, you nailed it. Um, trust, for sure. Like trust needs to be a big factor, but it can't just be trust, right? Because you can get taken advantage of, of course. So I do have a background in recruiting. I was, re- I was a recruiter by trade. So I recruit software engineers for many years. I, I've hired thousands of people probably uh, in my career. So I interviewed a lot of people. I understand the hiring process. I understand like, for the most part, like when someone is authentic and which one's, which when someone's not. So that's an advantage that I pulled that. I pulled that string. Like that was my, one of my advantages. So how do build a team? So we're a team of five people. I'm sorry, six people now for a, a team of four engineers full-time. And I guess it's a matter of understanding, trying to understand what I don't know, you know? So when I was first starting out running our team, I would ask someone like you, you know, what's the best way to run sprint calls, right? Simple questions, Mm. but a non-technical founder would, would not know. And if I don't have, if you don't have a CTO, then you need to kind of figure that out yourself. Uh, I sat in, I shadowed other co-founders, friends, uh, their sprint calls, their sprint planning meetings. I shadowed them and it only takes 20 minutes out of your week to kind of just see what they do. And then for the next day, we set it up on ours. You know, we implement that process. I think the ability to be able to learn really quickly from other people that are more that are more skilled in a certain area, I think that's an advantage. Wow, that's powerful. 
That's powerful, Cody. I know we talked with you about the moment you get profitable in SaaS, meaning where your uh, profit exceeds your expenses. Mm -hmm. You're kind of not in a rush anymore. Uh, maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that. No, because yeah. when people are getting invested, when people get an investment, it has a very tight schedule. We have 12 months, we have 18 months, and we need to achieve this, this, that, or else, right? Mm -hmm. So from your experience, how advantageous is your position at the moment? What, yeah. what makes it different from what I've described? Oh man, I nailed it. Um, I hate asking for money. That's just not, it's, it's not in my DNA. I've never, I don't like borrowing money really. Um, I will like for real estate and of course, like things like that, but it's, I've never liked being in a position to where I, I'm gonna need to like reach my hand out and ask for more VC capital or more seed money or or loan of something. And it's never really, I don't like that. So my thought was always to get to sustainability, get to profitability. Um, if I can get there, then we control our own destiny from there on out. It's an amazing feeling. We we launched Airbnb a year and a half ago, probably pretty much June of 2021. Uh, we were already working on that for like six months, maybe six months before that, seven months before that. Uh, I took no salary and I don't have a full, I never had a full-time job with that. Right. So we took no salary. My wife is a full-time mom. We were under this pressure of like, we need to get to sustainability through the profitability as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. So we could pay our salary, pay my own salary. And then additionally, hire more people, of course, probably three, three employees paying their salaries full time before I even paid myself a salary. So it, it created a, a pretty good amount of stress. Although it was, I would, I would argue that's healthy stress because if I didn't have that pressure, maybe we would, we would have moved a little slower and Fortunately, we didn't. We moved faster. So again, I got off a little track. Did I answer that question? Yes. Yes. I, I guess I guess what we can learn from it is when you get to a profitable stage, right? We have all the time in the world in a way. Of course, we want to move faster, but it means there is no deadline for tomorrow, what's going to happen. It, yeah. it gives you a bit of freedom, but just as you explained, right? It removes some of the stress and sometimes a helpful stress as well. But I know you can self-manage yourself. If you if you're really committed to it, if you're passionate about the goals which you were exactly. speaking, yeah, the big you are, you're right. Yeah, you're right. And it, as soon as we got like profitable, as soon as we got the sustainability, it was more like it was a big relief of one. I get to pay ourselves a salary, right, which is modest, right, considering we leave the majority in the business, we continue to scale. We could hire more people that are better, right, hire better and better people, more of them, and then it's like we can really kind of take a step back for a second and say, okay, where do we want to take this company now? Right? Where do we want to do this? And the idea that we can make bets, we can actually make experiments without like this six months of runway left or nine months of runway left or whatever, 18 months of runway left. Like we don't have that clock. And if you don't have that clock, you can actually like play the long game. Right? I'm thinking like, I'm already thinking 10 years out because I mean, I don't know. That's just, uh, I think it's a, it's a better way to look at things like, okay, where is e-commerce going to be in 10 years? Where are, where's global, uh, right? Global commerce going to be in 10 years. Like, so we can actually start thinking about those problems now, uh, because we don't have, we don't have to worry about like making sure we're funded next, next round. Right. That's an amazing feeling. There are trade-offs to this for me. That's, that's the, that's the decision we wanted to take. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's taking control of the business, not making business control you. Right. Yeah. And also like, I feel like we, we get that wrapped up in Twitter, Twitter VC world or Twitter, uh, entrepreneurship world, you know, where everybody's celebrating like these huge, huge rounds and their pre-revenue pre-product even. And, uh, I understand like, that's, that's cool. And I understand there's times for those bets and times for those things, but, um, I didn't identify with it. I just believe in like a solid business that adds value to customers that drives revenue, drives profit uh, sustainably. And of course, like I'm not open, I'm not, I'm not opposed to raising capital. I certainly probably will raise capital in the future, but it's going to be like on our terms. It's going to be the right time. It's going to make sense for the business. It's going to make sense for our customers. It's going to make sense for the market. We're going to be a lot more thoughtful with it rather than just like, we need money to survive. Like I never wanted to be in that position. Okay. That's interesting. 
Let's say, Cody, investors come to you tomorrow and say, okay, what are your terms? We want to invest. Like, how would you, how would you navigate this situation? If they were asking, mm-hmm. just, just give me a number. I'd probably say we're not interested in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just wouldn't be interested at all. What do you think is the best stage for, for getting invested in Everbio if you were to make this mm-hmm. decision? What do, when do you think this will come? It's going to come with a, like, our path is pretty clear. First stage is like get a clear path to profitability, right? Clear path to revenue yeah. first, and then get a clear, clear path to profitability. Okay. Check, check. We got both of those. Now it's a clear path to how to get to a billion dollar company. Like and from a business sense, that's like the biggest thing. That's the next thing. Our path is, is pretty clear. Like I know which way we're going under the direction that we're taking it, but it's not clear enough to where I feel 100% like. I know that we're going to get there because we're going to help. We're, we're obsessed with our customers and we're adding a lot of value to our customers and we're, continue, we're going to continue to do that. It's not just about the billion dollar valuation. It's not just about that. It's mostly about like, are we going to be able to help enough people on our path in order to become a valuable company? So to me, this is purely a subjective and it's my opinion, mm. but it's when I feel is is right. And what I, when I feel that is right, it's probably going to be like, hey, we're now up a suite of products. And we've, we've had, we understand our customer, our, uh, our, our unit economics so clearly that literally like dumping money into inside of the company will scale it as we put in $1, we're going to get two more dollars out, which it's pretty It's like that now, but it's not like that to where to scaling to, uh, our market cap is our target market is, is smaller at the moment. Um, so as we broaden out our target market, I believe it's going to become more clear. I know it's a rambled answer, but that's, that's what my thoughts are on it. That is that is great. That that is just a great answer, Cody. I wanted the audience to know a little bit more about yourself, about you as a person, like behind the scene. What kind of advice you would give yourself to younger self? Let's say the one that is younger than you, like five years ago, maybe ten years ago. If you were to travel back in time and give one or two advices to Cody, what do you think those advices would be? Gosh, yeah, that's a good question. I, I think about like regrets a lot and I don't think that I have any regrets, right? I wouldn't change anything because I'm I'm here today because of all those things. But uh, I would say like to start a business sooner, start a company sooner. If you feel like you're, you're an entrepreneur at heart, uh, I kind of had these like inklings that I'm an entrepreneur at heart, probably 10 years, maybe even more if I really paid attention. I pushed them down a little bit just because I valued like stability as well. I feel like if I would have like not pushed them down so much, it would have been further ahead. If I would have just like kind of explored it more, explored it more, which I did, but I I could have just done it at an earlier stage, I think. And then specifically, if I were to really go back to like 20 year old Cody, I'd say, Hey man, like you need to start a software business like today when I was in college, right? Like you need to stop playing football in college. And like, you just need to like go, uh, go start a software company. That's where your future is. That's where that future is. That's what I would probably say to him. And then he'd probably say, well, you suck at computers, you suck at tech. Uh, so I couldn't do that. Um, and then I would probably counter that with, you're going to figure it out. Just go figure it out. Hire, find the right people to, to figure it out with. Wow. From the answer you, you're giving, it, it aligns with what people say, you know, on a, on a desk, bad. We have so little regrets about doing something and so many regrets about not doing something. It is, it is perfectly aligned with what you said. It's getting getting all of those hesitations, all of those things that stop us from from being the best version of us. That's yeah. powerful. I think it takes like it's a process to get to where we are today, right? Like I wouldn't have read the books, I wouldn't have played college sports to like give me the the grit to be able to to move on with like building a software company, which is very very challenging, right? And people don't talk about it enough. Actually, how hard it is. Like all we see on like Twitter and like YouTube is like how you can do it in a matter of like ten days, and you can have ten thousand dollars per month in revenue and all this BS, right? Which is just so far from the truth. It's super hard. 
and you, it's going to take a lot of books. It's going to talk, it's going to take a lot of networking. It's going to talk a lot of mistakes to, to succeed. But the thing is that I'll say is that it's, it's super hard, but it's super worth it. It will be worth it. It's, it's becoming more worth it, more worth it every single day for us. Wow. That's, that's, that sounds fruitful. Cool. Is, Speaking yeah. about books, you've mentioned that there's so many resources you need to consume, to learn skills, to develop. If you were to highlight three resources that you think impacted your your business life, your business the most, it doesn't have to be the most top ones, but if you think about just three of them, it might be books, shows, people, mentors, anything mm-hmm. that can help a business person like you grow. I'm, okay. I'm a big audiobook listener, right? Reader, whatever you want to call them. So I'll bang out like quite a bit books per year. I would, I would say probably like 15 books a year. So one that I really love was Blitz Scaling from Reed Hoffman. He's a found, he's the founder of LinkedIn. Uh, he's a really good one on, on Blitz Scaling. It's kind of the different approach that what everybody's taking because we're bootstrapped and we're self-funded, but uh, but it's still really, really good. Um, Zero to One by Peter Thiel is another really great book that I absolutely owe a lot to. And then probably a mindset book that's probably changed my life fundamentally was Outwitting the Devil from um, Napoleon Hill. Those are the three top books that I would probably recommend a software founder at least to, to read. Just fundamentally changed my life. So, Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, I got to check them out because I haven't read any of those three. Cool. So <laughs> I, I have some catching up to do. Other than that, like any kind of like podcasts on like entrepreneurship, I think is super helpful in mindset. Anytime like I, I could like, I hear any founders, it doesn't have to be just like software founders. Like for example, I just read the biography of, of uh, Jeff Bezos, right? I think it was called the Everbee store by Brad, Brad something, he wrote it. And just the idea that Jeff Bezos was so obsessed with his customers. And that's why Amazon is so valuable is because they're really customer centric. That's the way that we've wanted to build Everbee from the beginning is like, we just want to be a customer centric product, co- customer centric company, uh, because if we could add value to them, then everything else kind of just takes takes care of itself. The money is a byproduct of adding value to your customers. That's what we always focus on in our company. That's one of our core values to be customer obsessed, just be obsessed with their problems so we can try to simplify e-commerce for them on a global level. So I, I get really excited about that and just building more of a platform. Right now, Everbee is a, it's one main main product right now, but we okay. just really want to, in the future, we're going to be a, a platform to power simplified e-commerce globally for millions of users. And that's that's our main mission is actually, that's our social impact with mixed in with a business impact of we want to help people across the world grow their online businesses, which means they'll grow their communities, local communities as well, which grows local economies. So it's all kind of connected. So that's what we're passionate about. But anyway, kind of rambled there. All those mm-hmm. passionate goals, Cody, and I know by myself as well, we tend to work not like the full time, but more like all the time. Yeah. And um, we still sometimes need to disconnect from these activities to kind of reboot our brains to get a fresh perspective on where we are at now and what are the best ways to move forward from here. I'd like to ask you on the behalf of the audience, like, what would be the one activity that you find that helps you to get away from work to help you to really disconnect? Because I know by myself that when I'm riding a bike, when I'm even sometimes when I'm eating, I'm still thinking about those things when I'm in a shower. It's I'm still connected to my thing, right? What is the one activity that that makes you actually disconnected, that you actually forget about work for an hour or two? Mine is, this is for parents, I guess, but mine is my kids for sure. Like uh, I've always said one of the blessings of having children are they, they tend to help make you live in the present when you're with them because they're a small, I have a, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old, right? They come running up to me like they're going to make me forget about everything else except for them, right? Like they're smiling, they're screaming sometimes, right? Like they'll certainly make you live in the present at that moment. Uh, so that helps me disconnect. It truly does. In fact, it reminds me of why I'm working so hard 
right? It's one, they're one of the main, main, main reasons of why we actually put in all this effort on the back end, right? And why we're thinking about this stuff in the shower and while we're driving, like we're constantly thinking about our, our company. So that's the one thing that really like is centers me. I think just spending time with my wife and then also my, our two kids, it's the most special thing. Aside from that, I, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly like I'm into health, right? Health and fitness. Like I, weightlifting, running, boxing, jujitsu, things like that, that I, I really value just physical being, doing something physical. It certainly, it forces you to kind of like step out of your business and actually focus on your breathing, focus on your, like how tired you are, or, you know, it, so exercise is certainly a, a big thing for me. One thing that you've mentioned is, is actually very deep about taking care of your family, right? Because it comes from the tribal ages where everything that we do the outcome is, is to provide and, and to help them, right? Because we can get all the resources, all the influence, all the money in the world, but there's still a bigger purpose than that because it's still just a means to an end. I wanted to ask you when it comes to success, right? People talk about getting successful, reaching to a certain point, succeeding at something. What does success mean for you at this stage of life? There is no right answer. I'm sure. really curious to know how would you define success at your stage of life? probably time freedom plus financial freedom, probably the two big things that, that I, I really value success. So one, I, I want to be able to separate my hours from time, which I, I have done successfully for a number of years now, uh, which makes me, I find success in that. Like that to me is successful versus like going and showing up for an hourly consulting gig, uh, right? Like they're paying me to be here. That was a big goal of mine to step away from that. I guess financial freedom, right? Certainly like the idea that nothing, nothing huge is going to take us out right? Like, like we're, we're set, like my family is taken care of no matter what. That's certainly, certainly defined success for me. The freedom to hang out with who I want to hang out with, right? is is important. I don't believe in doing business with dicks. So if you have to do that, then you don't have freedom. Like you don't have, like you should be able to choose who you do business with, when you do business with, right. And how you do business with them. That's important thing that definitely like defines my success. If I don't want to take a call with somebody and I, and I know that they're like, maybe like don't do business like a way that I agree with. And I won't take the call just even if there's money involved, like it doesn't matter to me. So I I value that. And yeah, those are the kind of the three ways I try to define success. Well, don't do business with dicks. Let's make it a slogan. Yeah, no. And (laughs) I can't even take it. It's universal, right? Universal. It's it's not healthy to deal with people you don't want to deal with. Exactly. And I think too often, like as human beings, we get desperate, like, and you have to do business with dicks. And I just don't believe that that should be a have to, that should be a, it's an option, but it's, it's only an option. If it's a luxury, I think to have that decision, I think it's a luxury. If you don't have like time freedom, if you don't have like financial freedom, then you cannot make that decision sometimes because I have no option. Like my income is attached to this dick right here. Right. So it's like, I can't even take credit for that. Don't do business with dicks. I actually got that from um, a book I read and also a guy that I followed, Dave Meltzer. So credit to him for that. But he has that as one of his core values. I'm like, oh, I'm definitely going to adopt that right away. Cody, um, when it comes to the, the ever be what you're doing with your business at this stage, what do you think is one of the biggest challenges that you're facing right now that you're trying to crack the code for? What what keeps you up at night? Oh, gosh, it's a good one. Um, so f- to be honest, it's it's probably vision of like, we're, we're at the stage where we've grown tremendously. We're continuing to grow tremendously every single month, every single week. The thing that keeps me up probably at night in a good way, I think in a healthy way is where do we actually want to take this company? Like what, what options, where do we actually want to be 
in the future in 10 years from now? Because I know that if we answer that question, then everything else kind of aligns just naturally. Everything falls into place, right? So for me, what keeps me up at night is like making sure that we're leading this ship in the right direction. I never want to lose sight of when we think bigger, like I'm so I'm challenging what keeps me up at night is challenging myself to actually think bigger, like much bigger, right? And the thought of connecting the dots between, okay, how does that benefit our customers today? And also in the future, like these complexities keep me up at night. Because I never want to think so big that we lose sight of our current customers because they got us here and they're getting us here and they're going to take us there. So we need to think big while also like doing small things. It's very challenging, actually. Like it sounds so easy, but it's really not. It's not easy for me, at least. I'm currently reading a book that's called Vivid Vision. And uh, I heard that it helps you make the vision more clear for yourself and then you can convey it to your team. So I highly recommend that. Corey, I wanted to ask you the last probably question for today is what is the best way founders or anyone else watching this episode VCs uh, how they can learn more about you about your work what you do and get in touch with you yeah so um, I'm on LinkedIn um, I check it fairly regularly I can't say I answer every message because obviously we all know on LinkedIn you get tons and tons of messages all every day hit me up on LinkedIn yeah, connect with me. I'm happy to connect with anybody. Um, send me a message. I'll try. I'll do best my best to get back to you, of course. But that's probably the best way. Email. I'm fairly pretty slow, to be honest. And LinkedIn is probably the best way. If you were to say some last words, last piece of advice to the audience and to, to everyone's watching here, like, what would that be? Uh, yeah, I love this one because I wish that going back to my advice. Actually, <laughs> this is actually more than my advice for my younger self too. If you're an entrepreneur watching this, which you very much likely are, and you're struggling to like get going, get traction with your initial product, or maybe maybe you're even before that, maybe you don't have initial product. You need to focus like deeper. You're thinking you're focusing right now, but you're probably not focusing enough. Cody, younger Cody was, I was so entrepreneurial to where it's like, I define myself as like an entrepreneur as like having multiple things, multiple irons in the pots, right? Like I would be doing this thing over here. I had an e-commerce business, I had an Amazon business, I had Walmart business. I, had, I even did something on eBay then I had some Shopify. Then I also like had this software product we were kind of building. Then I also had this other software idea that I was kind of like tinkering with too. And I also had this like another list of 20 ideas that like I was building business models for and financial models. That's the wrong way to go. I think it's, it's okay for a short period of time to go wide. But you need to eventually, you need to narrow, narrow, narrow and actually go deep in one thing, not two, not three. You need to go one. And it's so hard. It's so much easier said than done because I, even I do it. We have shiny thing syndrome. We we want to, we believe, oh, we have some free time over here. So I may as well fill it with this other thing that inspires me and like helps me actually, you're lying to yourself. It's You're actually cannibalizing your own success by not focusing on one thing. Because what happens when you focus on one thing is you start thinking about that one thing all day, all night. And you're just going to find these little tiny little light bulbs. They're so small. They're not big. They're little tiny light bulbs compounding over time, over time, over time that they eventually lead to success. It's so often we, we watch a YouTube video and, or a Twitter thread or something like that. And they got like 10 businesses and they all bring in X amount of thousand dollars per month. I don't know if it's just a lie or it's just something that's like, or maybe I'm just not good at it. To be honest, I highly suggest you focus on, on one thing. If I could just drill that into anybody watching this, like if you have three projects going on right now, scrap two of them. You need to focus on one. Do it for like two months, three months. Give yourself a timeline. If it doesn't work, in, you know, if you don't get any sort of success or any sort of traction in three months, laser focus. Laser focus. Crystal, crystal clear clarity is the key here. You need to be really, really clear with what you're going after, because if you're if you're going to get spiritual, which you know some of us are, some of us aren't, putting out things into the universe, right? Like you're, we all we're attracting things, and this is kind of like going a little bit big, but by doing multiple things all at one time, you're confusing. 
you're confusing the world. You're confusing the universe. Like just tell everybody what you want. Go after that with your full heart for a long time with a lot of execution and the probability of success, not guaranteed, but the probability of success is going to increase for that one thing. Wow. Clarity and laser focus. Awesome. Awesome. Cody, thank you so much for being on the show with me today. Man, thank you, Vlad. I seriously appreciate it too. Thank you for what you're doing, educating an audience that I'm really passionate about too. I love online entrepreneurs and SaaS entrepreneurs and, and investors too, right? I'm an investor myself. So it's like, I, I love what you're doing and keep it up, man. You're doing awesome. I appreciate it. Looking forward for the second episode with you. It may be a year from now. I love it. Progress. Anytime, man. Have a good one. Yeah. Okay, you too.